Who Gets to Decide, a liberty-based podcast that brings a little piece of sanity to a confused society drowning in a culture of craziness. And here is your host, Seth Martin. All right, what's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Who Gets to Decide. This is Seth Martin, your host. Thank you for joining me this evening. Glad you're here and happy you're listening. Well, I went looking for some Robert Reich because Robert Reich is one of these guys that that really makes certain ideas sound good, but they're just wrong. I mean, there's just no other way to say it than that. And Robert Reich is, is very, very active on the internet. You know, for an older gentleman, I mean, he's got to be in his mid-60s or, or older, he's, he is not afraid of the internet. I mean, the guy is, is out there in a huge way, and I wish I could make videos as, as good as his. I wish I could make videos, period, but uh, it'd really be nice to make some videos as good as he's making. But that doesn't mean his ideas are right. And I wanted to play an interview that he had on Joy Reid's show. And of course, Joy Reid, look, I don't want to call people names, but she's an idiot. You know, Robert Reich is not an idiot, but his worldview, his thinking is not grounded in any kind of principle. It's just grounded in politics. And politics is, is really kind of the, the art of, uh, of compromise, or I don't know what the definition of politics is. Politics in our country is the art of getting elected by promising things you can't deliver without stealing from other people. That's what politics is in America. But it's it's a it's like blood sport, right? They they love it. These people can't get enough of it. I mean, you had Diane Feinstein died in office the other day. I mean, she was just barely functioning human being. I mean, they 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 showed a video of her where she's supposed to be signing something or voting or something in, in, in the Senate. And, and there's a staffer right there just saying, right, you just need to say yes. And she goes, yes. <laughs> you know, she's like a, like, it was like the staffer was a ventriloquist and she was a puppet, a hand puppet. And so these people literally live for the blood sport of politics. You got, uh, just to be an equal opportunity basher of politicians You've got uh, the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, or excuse me, Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. The guy's just, I think, having seizures while he's standing at the podium talking to the press. The other day, Bill Maher made a joke about him and said he was buffering, which I thought was pretty funny. But look, this is, in all seriousness, everybody gets old. Everybody gets older, and you lose your ability to communicate and think clearly and persuade and all the things you need to be or be able to do as a politician. So I don't know. I mean, I I don't know why these people want to hang on for so long, but it must be just like crack or something to work in the Senate or to work in the House of Representatives. But back to our point today, Robert Reich his worldview sells really well, but it just does not work. And we are going to learn a very painful lesson in this country. 
I don't know when it's going to come, but it's going to come. And it's going to make the Great Depression look like child's play. I mean, we're, we're talking about something that instead, instead of lasting 20 years, it's going to last people's entire lifetime, 60, 70 years. And it's coming. And the reason it's coming is because you cannot live at the expense of your neighbor. Everybody has to produce for themselves and their families. And, you know, this is just a hard lesson we're going to have to learn. Uh, I say we, I mean, I feel like I know that lesson, but I mean, there's many, 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 many Americans, millions, tens of millions of Americans that honestly and sincerely believe politicians when they stand up and say things like, hey, we're going to make the value of your house go up and you're going to get a raise and and all these things that happen in the quasi-free market are just not in the domain of politicians. So without further ado, I want to go ahead and start this interview with Robert Reich. And Joy Reid is the host, and this is on MSNBC. Joe Biden is the first president in history, including Franklin D. Roosevelt, yes. uh, to ever walk a picket line. And his words today were, I think, very significant. Democrats just love FDR. They think they think he was the greatest thing ever. And uh, the truth is, maybe behind Lincoln, he was one of the biggest tyrants we've ever had. But anyway, um, yeah, so Robert Reich says that uh, Joe Biden's the first one to join a picket line, you know, including FDR. And I don't know that maybe that, you know, I don't, who knows if that's true. Who cares really? Um, but he goes on to say that Joe Biden says something significant. And I doubt that. I mean, Joe Biden, I don't, I'm not sure Joe Biden has said anything significant in his entire life. Uh, mostly he's uh, embellishes and, tell stories that aren't true and things like that. But the thing about unionization and this strike is these people want like a 40% increase in pay. Now, I don't know how many of you have gone out to look and see how much a car costs right now, but it's essentially unaffordable. I mean, even a, even a kind of an average run of the mill car is like $55,000. And, you know, that's just a lot of money for a vehicle. And if, if these people make, get a 40% increase in their pay, those vehicles are going to $75,000. I mean, there's, this market just won't support this. So I don't really see how the UAW is going to get a 40% increase out of these car companies. In fact, I'm going to go on record here and, and say that my personal view is is that they're not going to reach an agreement and the car companies uh, all it takes is one will file bankruptcy and break the union contracts that's probably what's going to happen because there's no way you can you can have a 40% increase now they're pointing to the CEO and how the CEO had 40% increase but that's just one person one person even though it's a lot of money it's you know several million dollars maybe $10 million. That's nothing compared to thousands and thousands and thousands of people getting a 40% increase in their pay. So this is going to end badly, I think. Either way, it's going to end badly. It's going to end badly for the consumer. 
car companies aren't going to sell cars or they're going to file bankruptcy and break these contracts and send everybody home with a pink slip. Can we put the video, the view up again, a VO again of, of Biden doing that? Because it is historic. We need to pause on this history, um, Mr. Reichert, because it, I think it's really important. Um, the fact that Biden showed up at that UAW picket line and said what he said, which is, the, the, you, you, there it is. You all built the, the work. You built the middle class. Unions built the middle class. And I just thought visually, it was an important reminder that when we say working class, that is a multiracial class of people. It's women. It's men. It's Latinos. It's black folks. It's not just white you know, working class people. It's white, black, everybody. That is the working class. They don't talk, people don't talk about that enough. And they are struggling against CEOs that make 400 times what they make. What do you make of this moment? Democrats are always picking something that a politician does that's largely insignificant and talking about historic, how historic it is. I mean, this is something I hear all the time. There, there, trust me when I tell you, Nothing historic happened today that Joe Biden did. Nothing. Nobody will remember it in six months, much less 20 years from now when they're reading history books. Uh, the other thing that I want to say about this is how does the middle class get built? Is it, do we really just all unionize? And that's the problem. That's why we don't, that's why our middle class is shrinking today is because union membership is down if that were the case, this, is, this reminds me of the minimum wage argument. Well, the reason people aren't doing well is because the minimum wage is too low. Well, are you saying that we can just raise the minimum wage to $100 an hour and everybody will be prosperous? Because if that's what you're saying, you're wrong. A whole bunch of people are going to be unemployed at $100 an hour. And by the same token, unions... There's a saying in economics, correlation is not causation. Just because two things happen at the same time doesn't mean that one caused the other. And Democrats are, are notorious for doing this. They point to high tax rates in the 50s and tell us that we need to go back to high tax rates. <laughs> I mean, ask anybody you know if they want to pay 75% income tax. That's what the highest marginal rate was in the 50s, something like that. And so Democrats are always, they're always confused about the connection between certain things. And the way the middle class was created is, one, we, we had, first of all, after World War II, the rest of the, the entire world was destroyed, okay? There was just no division of labor. There was no mechanization, no industrial economy anywhere on the entire planet except in the United States. So that's that's point number one. Point number two, there were tons of capital flowing into the United States, tons of investment capital, and it was deployed in a lot of machines. And yes, those union laborers did work with those machines and became extremely productive. And with that extreme productivity, they were paid more, not because their union bosses got them more money, but because the right thing to do was to pay them for their productivity. And the United States companies all over the United States uh, routinely do that. If you go look at a chart, go find a chart 
of of productivity versus wages. And what you'll see is right around 1970, 1971, these things perfectly tracked one another. And in 1970, 1971, they separated. Productivity kept going up, but wages were held flat. Now, why is that? This is the single most damaging thing to the, to the um, middle class. This is where we got disconnected from gold. And the government started just printing money, borrowing money and printing money. This is the single, this is why I point to almost everything and say, if we had honest money, these problems would not exist. A lot of these problems wouldn't exist if we had honest money. There's just certain things you cannot do if there's an honest money system. Joe Biden would not be rich in an honest money system. It's an impossibility. He's an imbecile and knows nothing of value that anybody would be voluntarily willing to pay for. And, and there, are, there are huge numbers of people like this in our economy, vast numbers. We wouldn't have such a huge safety net or a hammock because we simply would not be able to afford to pay people all the money we pay them, but for the ability to borrow it and send out checks. Okay, so the middle class was created by investment. So at some point he says, well, it wasn't created by Wall Street. That's actually not true. Investment into capital, into, into the capital structure, combined with the division of labor of union workers and non-union workers, created the middle class. We, we became extremely productive, and a middle class was, was created and flourished. The problem is we're no longer that productive. The vast majority of workers in America are not that productive. On balance, we're still very productive. But our productivity has been, one, it's been declining a little bit. But two, however much it goes up, the government just steals that productivity right away from you. It's not the CEOs. Look, I've worked, I've worked at companies. The amount of money that the CEO makes never has any impact on how much money I make, ever. Now, if the CEO took so much money that the company ended up going under, that would be something. But that's not what's happening here. Um, you've got... See, the, a lot of these corporations are much, much larger than they used to be. I mean, by an order of magnitude larger. Uh, you know, a lot of these companies have 40, 50, 80,000 employees. Walmart has like a million and a half employees. You know how much responsibility it takes to preside over a million and a half employees or even 100,000 employees? These people are, are paid because they are managing extremely complicated businesses and they have a tremendous amount of responsibility. They have a tremendous amount of responsibility in a fiduciary sense, in a legal sense, in a regulatory sense. Almost in every sense you can think of, they have a lot of responsibility. Much more responsibility than a worker. You know, and I'm not disparaging workers. We need workers, right? But a worker is responsible for himself and his workstation. That's it. A CEO is responsible for tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of employees and responsible for the, the regulatory environment that they operate in 
and just all this stuff, all this, uh, you know, what they call governance. And so you don't get paid for how hard you work. You get paid for how much responsibility you take. And that's just a principle that I guess people in unions don't understand. They want somebody to pay them more because the CEO gets paid more. And that's just not how the world works. All right, now let's get back to Robert Reich's answer and see if it sounds anything like mine. Uh, also struggling, Joy, against Wall Street. I yes. thought it was very interesting uh, that Joe Biden said, you know, Wall Street did not create the middle class. You, you union workers, you created the middle class in America. Uh, and that's critical because, you see, this is the first president in certainly my lifetime that has said, in effect, whose side are you on? I'm on the side of the working class. Uh, and that's something that uh, other presidents, even Democratic presidents, have been very reluctant to do. When I hear these pundits on TV talk about the working class, I'm thinking to myself, well, I'm, I'm in the working class. I work, you know, <laughs> and, and yet my life gets more and more difficult every year financially. In fact, I mean, I just want to talk about something real quick. This is getting off the beaten path somewhat, but I sent a letter today to a hospital system who wants some money from me. And this is, they want like $1,400 and this is after my insurance company's already paid them almost $5,000. And one of the things that's happening in America, and I'll get back to the story is the insured in this country are are carrying an increasing burden of the medical cost in this country. And this is because people, uh, illegals, people who are destitute, who don't work, who are otherwise indigent, this number, this group of people is growing dramatically in America. In other words, the people who are not taking care of themselves, much less a family, there, there, there are, there are so many people that can't even manage their own life. They're one little, they're one life. Okay. And, and I'm over here trying to manage the lives of four people in my family. And it's getting increasingly difficult. What I'm noticing in, in all areas, not just the medical field, but I, but I want to use the med- medical field as a metaphor for what I'm talking about. What, what happens is if you're an illegal and you walk into a hospital and you, run up, you ring up the hospital for $20,000 worth of services, well, uh, clearly you can't pay, right? And you walk out. Well, the hospital still incurred that cost, right? And then, you know, let's say somebody else comes in with a gunshot wound or something and the gov- and the hospital spends $200,000 taking care of that person because in our society we 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 say that we're going to take care of each other, right? But what happens is the costs are still the cost, right? So what happens is these costs get spread over the hospital in all different departments. And when I come in and need something that I spent my whole life paying for, you know, 15,000 a year in insurance or 8,000 a year in insurance or whatever, and I need knee surgery, let's say, and the hospital wants me to uh, pay, you know, even after my insurance has paid $5,000, they want like another $2,000 from me. And this is just, this has got to stop. Okay. Because it is bleeding people like me dry 
every year. I mean, there were years that I spent $18,000, $20,000 in, in fees to hospitals and medical organizations because of max out of pockets and things like that. Well, that's ridiculous. Insurance is supposed to cap your cost at a certain point. But the reason it doesn't do that is because this group of people that can't pay is growing all the time. And that, listen to me carefully, that includes Medicare, okay? The government does not fully pay for Medicare. It only pays about 75% of what the hospital wants. And so the other 25% gets picked up by the insured people. And the bottom line is the number of insured people is shrinking and the number of people that are going to the hospital with hat in hand is increasing, okay? And so I sent a letter to this hospital and I said, look, I've already paid you this. I'm not paying this bill in full. This is what I'm going to offer. And I made an offer and I'm going to wait to hear back from them. And if they don't accept the offer, they can just send me letters from now until the cows come home. I really don't give a shit. I'm tired of paying for not only myself and my family, but for everybody else and everybody else's family. And this is, this is where we're headed in America. And, you know, but for the government, this wouldn't be possible. You would, you would have to pay. I mean, we would probably have some charities or something like that that would help, but you would have to pay for yourself or you would have to suffer. You would be crippled or whatever would happen to you unless you went to a church and got some help. But I'm under no obligation to help other people. I mean, I, I, do help people in my family and stuff, but I'm, I'm tired of being expected to help other people. And so this is, this is kind of what I'm talking about. Everybody's looking to everybody else to, to pay their bills. And now you got this United Auto Workers, uh, they're looking for people to pay their bills. And you know what? I mean, people can't afford their cars as they are. And that Chevy Cruze, that Chevy Cruise plant that closed, Chevy Cruise is a piece of crap, okay? I'm just telling you. It's a piece of crap. And uh, so is that Equinox. That's a piece of crap. So they better get focused on making better cars and lowering the price if they want to sell any. Let me play really quick just to remind people what Donald Trump said and what he promised working people um, when he was running for president. Take a listen. Don't move. Don't sell your house. Don't sell your house. Do not sell it. We're going to get those values up. We're going to get those jobs coming back. And we're going to fill up those factories or rip them down and build brand new ones. That was actually when he was already president. That was in July of 2017. And you know what happened, uh, Robert Reich? Those plants that he was talking about in Lordstown, they closed. The GM plants closed. These are the Chevy Cruze plants, uh, and they closed exactly. anyway. So he, he exactly. lied to those people. Well, look at he, he promised everybody was going to get a $4,000 raise. Everybody yeah. in America, he gave a huge tax cut to big corporations and the rich. It never happened. There was never any trickle down. We know that his words mean nothing. Well, I guess something that Robert Reich and I actually agree on, but I would extend it further and say that no politician's words mean anything. The government, whatever the government is promising, promising you means nothing. The government can't do anything for you without first taking from somebody else. That's just, 
either now or in the future. Okay, when they take from people in the future, it's because they're borrowing money to spend today. If they tax you, they're taking money from people today to spend today. That's it. There is no magic in the government. In fact, if, if you send $100 to the government to go do something, 60% of it or more, maybe 70% of it, is just going to vaporize. That's how inefficient the government is. So the, it's actually a bad idea to run more and more stuff through the government. It just ends up costing more money. We have this wonderful thing called the free market. And I don't know what it is in, in people's psyche that always has them saying things like, well, I don't know, but we need to do something. We need to do something. And what they mean when they say we is they mean the government. But somehow they imagine that the government has this magic wand, you know, like it can just wave this magic wand. And when I say magic wand, it is magic in some sense, right? They can just print out this beautiful piece of paper with an eagle on it that says a trillion dollars and go sell that paper for a trillion dollars and then spend that money in the economy. That is magic, right? But there are no free lunches, okay? I know it looks like that the government can make all this stuff happen. But if you think of the earth as just an empty place with nothing but commodities in it, you know, earth and rock and water and air, right? Everything else we have to take and turn it into something. It has to be produced. And the government produces 0.0. They, in fact, they produce less than zero. They are a burden on the people that work in the economy. And yeah, they make you feel bad by telling you you're greedy and you need to pay your fair share and all this stuff. Let me just tell you, if you're listening to this show, you're paying your fair share. You're paying more than your fair share. They're stealing from you in taxes. They are stealing from you in, with the printing press. They're stealing from you 24-7, 365. Okay, and guys like Robert Reich and this dumbass Joy Reid are part of the problem. They just—they're stupid. Joy Reid went to Harvard. Okay, Harvard. Now, what kind of imbeciles is Harvard producing if Joy Reid graduated from Harvard and then is basically sharing her wonderful knowledge with the world via MSNBC? I don't know where Robert Reich went, but the problem is government and government-friendly groups, pundits, the media, there's too many people that think like this, and they are going to cause us all to circle the drain, and they are going to pull us all down with them. We're going down, okay? It's only a matter of time. And you can think people like this that make all this stuff sound nice and friendly and can't we all just get along? And meanwhile, they're pointing a gun at you and saying, give me, give me my wallet. Give, give me your wallet or I'm going to throw you in jail. And this is the nature of government. So I don't know. I, I, there's a thousand different ways to make that point. And I, I'm always trying to make it here on the show. But man, I just, 
it, it just grates on me to hear people like Joy Reid and Robert Reich just slobber all over this idiot for a president we have and then talk about unions like they're some sort of miracle organization. I mean, they might as well be a, a, a group of gangsters. And look, it's not government unions, so maybe I shouldn't go that far as a, as a group of gangsters. If people want to get together and collectively bargain for their wages, fine, whatever. You know, me, I'm kind of old-fashioned. I say you're not getting paid what, you're, what you feel like you're worth. You pack your shit and you go find another job. And, and learn something new. Learn how to be valuable to a different employer. Somebody that will appreciate it. That's what I say. All right. Well, look, I hope you've enjoyed today's talk. Uh, appreciate you coming in. It's always good to have you listening. And, uh, you know, if you think about it, share the show. Maybe uh, uh, do me a solid and go write a review. But most importantly, share the show and come back and listen. All right, guys. Take care, everybody. Peace.